0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of my uh, podcast and uh, today you have just uh, me, I'm afraid. Uh, this has been recorded on the uh, 21st of December 2022 and I thought I would uh, hop on the bandwagon of doing the 2023 um, predictions, or in this case, uh, anti-predictions uh, for the world of sales and uh, marketing. A lot of change, obviously, happened uh, post-COVID in the world we now find ourselves in. Uh, as organisations are still grappling with the hybrid way of um, working, and uh, this is impacting certainly sales is no different to any other business function uh, that is out there trying to um, figure this uh, figure this out. If we take a step back and think about the world of sales, and fundamentally. What are we trying to uh, achieve? At its rawest, kind of most basic level is meet with a person or people and sell them something. Nothing has changed from the world of door-to-door selling when you were selling vacuum cleaners or gas servicing or if you were cold calling to sell advertising space back in the the day or how I was selling mortgage advice uh, for £10 a lead back in the... In the day, through to my world of recruitment, again, uh, trying to set meetings with HR leaders or sales leaders to sell why uh, they should work with me and fundamentally Michael Page International to run their uh, recruitment. Fast forward to today, for the most part, in most industries, a human being is going to have to be involved in the sales process to buy um, something, yes, at the uh, lower end of the market. So the low cost, low risk, a high volume. We are in a world where this could be fulfilled by um, Amazon or you can buy things directly online, even things like Salesforce, a single CRM. Instance, you can go to salesforce.com and buy that yourself or a sales navigator license or a HubSpot license or a Zoho license. You can buy that yourself without having to talk to anybody, without then having to talk to customer success and so on. We will get uh, to uh, that debate in um, uh, in this episode. But fundamentally, for the most part, for most industries in the world of sales, you need to talk to people and then take them through a sales process to um, sell the value of what you versus potentially the uh, competition. The world we now find ourselves in today, however, there are many, many, many ways, one might argue, that this can be um, done uh, in terms of getting people's uh, attention. If you you will, we have uh, access to lots and lots of data, both of our own first-party proprietary data to third-party data to um, intent data to all sorts of um, things. We have more than enough technology that we can shake a um, stick at to help enable all of this. Uh, and of course, we have lots and lots of people out there telling you what is working and isn't working and so on and uh, so forth. But if we break this down to what I believe to be the three main channels to start a conversation with somebody, possibly four. The phone, so the good old telephone call, uh, email, and social media, and of course within those there are varying um, routes to market that one can uh, one can do. So if we start with the good old telephone, I just picking up the phone and having a conversation with people. Still, lots of debate around the, around this as to whether cold calling is dead, whether cold calling works or or not. And my view is that um, it depends on who you are as a salesperson. It depends on your uh, your skills and your abilities to to do a cold call, to execute a cold call. Because cold calling is not easy. I've been there and um, uh, and done it. Uh, I believe that the industries you are cold calling into will also um, have an impact as to where you will have the uh, the success. But therein lies the challenge in terms of people saying cold calling does or doesn't um, work. If you look at some research, albeit this is a couple of years ago from uh, McKinsey, where it's how data analytics helps sales reps win uh, more deals. Uh, point three in this article is top performers favor cold calls over cold emails and video is emerging as a top channel across 40,000 deals we looked at old-fashioned telephone calls were superior for getting people's initial attention. That's the the key here, is is the initial attention. Because fundamentally, if you can be talking to five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten people a day to get their attention, um, whether that then sets to a meeting, and that's fundamentally what you're trying to do, but actually having a conversation with um, someone you're already kind of creating the start of that um, cliche brand awareness uh, journey. However, if you take that a step further and you use technologies such as um, uh, connection cells, so power-assisted dialers, and you have a very clearly defined target audience you want to cold call into, and you have a good, clean data set, the technology platforms is power assisted dialers such as connect and sell when set up and enabled properly with a skilled sales force that can execute cold calls effectively can be an immensely powerful way to create awareness and start a conversation and more importantly set meetings with people and set meetings with people to then qualify further in however your sales processes work to then help start and kick off that sales journey in terms of um whether they should um work with you use your product or um uh or service so from my perspective i actually think um and it's ironic me saying this because i in the you know in, in the years gone by, I will probably put my hands up there and be part of that. You know the uh, the anti cold calling brigade. Cold calling is dead. Uh, robots are going to take over SDRs uh, roles, self development roles, and so on. Which is an interesting debate. we we'll look at some Gartner research later on. But actually, stepping out of that kind of bubble and looking into industries, speaking to people that do it and execute it uh, well, and then you get analysts such as you know the the. Um, the analysts, the research articles from the world's of McKinsey's, and you're analyzing that number of deals, 40,000 deals, where the cold call actually was the best, almost favored route to start that initial awareness uh, perspective. And you can't really argue with that. And I would suggest most or well, the majority of sales leaders would welcome to have their reps uh, setting. Six or seven or eight, nine, ten, twelve. How many you know net new meetings per week, or five per day, to then move that into top of pipeline uh, com- uh, conversations. But it all comes down to that execution piece, and it all comes down to have you enabled your team to actually create an executive call call um, or not. And again, this isn't a question of one or the uh, or the the other because. We then look to the next channel, and the next channel, of course, is email. Now, email email's an interesting place at, at the moment because the debates or the, the narrative that I can see unfolding on, on social and for the last couple of years around this has been more around, dare I say it, the science of the email, so doubling down on subject line, doubling down on... Um, whether it should be more text oriented i uh, e sent as more like a text message of course it's gonna be text oriented because um uh it's obviously text uh to to length to content to um pattern interrupts or all different types of things whether you should put gifs images links videos into the um into the emails the cadences or touches that should be set within the uh the the platforms that drive Uh, enable this uh, the sales lots and the outreaches of the um, uh, of the the world which these organizations are raising you know hundreds of millions of dollars worth of investment which is moving them to the billion dollar valuation um, uh, valuation mark interesting in terms of what that might uh, look like over the next couple of uh, next couple of years but again this isn't an and or conversation because uh, I saw an interesting post earlier today from a gentleman called Steve Elliott who's at Cornberry saying that actually cold email into the enterprise is not going to be that successful, and the reason being is even if you have the most perfectly crafted email with the perfect cadence and you've used AI to analyse it and, and write the content, even and we'll come on generative AI um, later in the in the podcast. Is that they're just not getting through? They're not getting through because the spam filters, the technologies that are put in place, just won't um, uh, won't allow it. And if any of you work in the enterprise, I'm pretty sure that you will get an email every morning with you know those emails that are trapped in a uh, in a folder. Do you even bother looking at those um, those emails? So we're not even getting you know, through too. So it's irrelevant whether you're selling 100, 1,000 or 100,000 emails so they're not actually getting to their intended recipients, then, of course, it's not working. However, one can't deny that email does and can work when it is inserted into the sales process as part of a overall, dare I say, uh, multiple-touch approach. But I think from a cold email perspective, certainly... Within the enterprise uh, space, it is going to be interesting to see how the narrative of of these sales cadences that are purely reliant on email starts to um, play out. Because my guess is, and this is purely an assumption, I'm by no means an expert in the world of sales and engagement and writing uh, engagement emails and writing um, cadences within these uh, within these platforms. But it's fundamentally probably a cold call or a call that is then followed up with an email, which may well be more successful than necessarily just starting with a straight um, email. Or it may well be call, email, and then the, the third kind of uh, point of the, the triangle in terms of the three routes to a market from a sales outreach uh, perspective is, of course, um, social which is the world of social uh, social selling. Uh, I'm a huge advocate uh, of it. Again, my view is that uh, social selling is better suited to um, account-based marketing style approach where you are having multiple stakeholders, where the deal cycles typically are longer, the deal values are higher, and therefore you have more time to use social as another route to get and create attention. So back to that McKinsey stats around the 40,000 deals and the cold call being uh, the most favored route to get that initial attention. This is where, again, I feel that when executed well and supported by other outreach um, approaches, this concept of um, getting uh, attention through social because the challenge with social selling is too many people sell over social, which is why people don't believe that social selling works, which is why for the most part people necessarily don't believe that social media um, is an effective uh, channel as a route to generate um, pipeline because of A, what they receive and what they see on on social, but also because it's really, really hard to... um, Prove, if you will, that social selling works as a top of funnel origination um, origination tool. And the reason behind that is because it's back to that a point around getting attention, and then the sales person, business development person, lawyer, accountant, consultant, whomever, recording into a record of choice. It could be a CRM system, it could be a sales engagement platform. Kind of where you were calling this is is becoming l- less important in terms of the debate of the actual platform, but you need to be able to understand the origination of a human conversation with someone, and of course, from a social selling perspective, because you've put a post out on uh, out on social, somebody may see it. You may then follow up with an email or a connection request. You may then follow up with a um, a cold call, or possibly even a a referral. You, you've already created awareness and you've already created that attention, but it could actually be then another route that actually creates that um that conversation. But then, without actually asking. The person as to how, the why, and the, as in the, the, the recipient of, of the call or the recipient of the email, the how, the why, the when, unless they explicitly say, oh, it was because of X, Y, Z that I saw online, uh, uh, you know, a post that you, you created or a comment that you made that I then took your call or I then, um, assuming emails get through, I opened your email or I then accepted your, um, your connection request. Social selling is an immensely powerful Top of funnel mechanism when executed correctly to drive that initial awareness and drive that initial um, conversation. But fundamentally, in in all of this for 2023, when you've got people saying this is dead, that's dead, this works, this doesn't work, you need to double down on this, you need to double down on um, uh, on that. I don't believe any of that is necessarily true because fundamentally my instinct is that actually we need to take a long hard look at the overall sales and marketing narrative and accept that these are the three primary channels to a conversation with someone it's actually how are we or what is going to be the shortest route to that conversation in combination of all uh three of these dependent on the industries in my view that you are selling into what it is you are um uh, selling and who your ideal customer persona is and i know that there'll be people here that will be listening that will be debating well cold calling is the best routine or actually alex i disagree with your statements on um uh, on email outreach not being effective because it is effective, and we we are being really successful in um uh, in using it, and likewise those that use um, social selling, myself included. You know, social selling is my primary route to uh, primary route to market, but I'm not having to operate at high volume or ho- uh, a high volume engagement to to drive the success that I need as an independent um, consultant. If you're a high volume sales rep, you cannot. I'm going to say this: rely solely on social selling to to do it to drive that inbound because you just can't get, you cannot get the scale. And we all know that if you choose to go down the automated route on social um, social selling with automated outreach in terms of um, connection requests, you know the platform is doubling down on this and um, suspending accounts and suspending people indefinitely in some uh, in some cases so the question is for 2023 what are what are kind of the the, the big predictions for sales over and above cold calling uh, email outreach in whatever shape or form that might um, look like and um social uh, selling and of course we can't help then default back to the technology way, because it's the technology if you will that is starting to drive this disruption and this uh, and this change so now I'm now going to refer to um, a, a Gartner uh, piece, which was published 10th of October, uh, 2022, uh, seven technology disruptions that will completely change uh, sales, which is a pretty bold statement to, um, to make. And uh, I don't know whether they order these in, in importance, but these are the seven technology disruptions affecting sales through to 2027. So multimodality, uh generative AR, forgive me, multimodality, generative AI, AR, so augmented reality and VR um virtual reality, emotion AI, digital twin of the customer, digital humans, and uh, machine uh customers. So some, some ones in there which I think are interesting. So generative AI, um, the last couple of weeks, obviously, OpenAI, ChatGPT chat GPT has you know gone to the uh, the masses, we'll come to that in a second. Um, AR, VR—that's you know, been talked about, of course. You know, Meta and all surrounding uh, concepts around that. Emotion AI is interesting because we're already starting to see sentiment technology um, baked into some of the platforms that I've uh, mentioned. Digital twin of the customer, digital humans, and machine customers is an interesting one as um uh, interesting one as well. But if we just zip through these uh, quickly, so please, you know, bear with me. I'm going to be reading verbatim. From the uh, from the post on this, so multimodality by 2030, even though the graphic is by 27, uh, sellers will only manually enter information into applications if they so choose. The days of begging sales to enter data is over. Multimodality provides multiple methods for sellers to log activities other than entering them through a keyboard into a CRM. These technologies all interface with CRM technology and encourage frontline sellers to capture CRM data. For example, sellers could tap their phone, call or even chat with the CRM while an AI bot takes on their inputs and fills in the required information. I mean, this is nothing really new because this technology already uh, exists in terms of um, voice to text uh recognition you can already create your notes into um notes onto uh, onto crm uh, you've already got um sales calls sales call recording technology which is recording sales calls and then doing really interesting things with um with all of that um data so this multi modality piece as a prediction versus an anti prediction my te- take is it's already happening It's just how it is actually being put into the overall process, how it's being used, and more importantly, how sellers are being coached as to how this is going to um, help them if we refer back to the way that it is worded of the days of begging sales to enter data is um, over. The fact that perception we have to beg salespeople to do it kind of shows how little value they put into the input of data into a CRM system, which is a whole different question of the what's in it for me and why should I... Um, uh, why should I uh, do this? The generative AI piece is an interesting um, one. I want to come back to that. A mix of augmented and virtual realities. So, um, you know, they're saying by 2025, 80% of all interactions will occur in digital channels. I would argue that's already happening to um, today. The metaverse, I think you can't really, I don't really see that as entering B2B anytime um soon in terms of being part of a sales process, if I'm honest. I mean you could just hop on a Zoom's call or a Teams call or actually have in person. I don't really see why you need to get somebody to do this in um uh VR uh unless you're selling VR then of course it would make sense for you to want to run a meeting in um uh VR. Again, AR I believe is an interesting one. I'm not an expert in, in AR in any shape or form but you know i think it'd be interesting to how you might work with like marketing to think about how you might use qr codes and ar in your marketing materials to maybe make your top of funnel content more engaging uh, stand out from the um the uh, the competition but you know as an anti prediction if you if you will i mean already one could argue pretty much all of our interactions occurring in digital channels, apart from the fact when they're not, which is when you're actually having an in-person um, conversation. As I said, the whole concept of metaverse and VR, I don't believe will be in B2B sales anytime soon. Um, AR, I think, is more of a marketing uh, is more of a marketing related um, angle to uh, all of um, uh, all of that. However, caveat in terms of the VR piece, that may have a play and enablement and coaching but that's more of an internal engagement tool organisationally rather than an external uh, engagement um engagement tool Emotion ai is an in- is an interesting one so by 2025 ai identification of emotions will influence 30% of messaging a buyer receives get a bold statement to say that's going to happen inside two years. Emotional intelligence is important, particularly for salespeople who need to learn to read the room, which is hard to do in virtual environments. Q Emotion AI, which analyzes processes and responds to emotion based on four components natural language, process based phonetic and text analysis, which includes sentiment analysis and e- in emails and the ability to find patterns and trends. Well, sentiment analysis is already happening within um, some of the bigger players for email outreach and email engagement. So that's already here. Today, computer vision based facial expression analysis, which looks at patterns and trends in response to stimuli, audio based speech analysis, which detects a combination of emotional states with facial and muscle movement, biometric and other sensors like heart rate to analyze behavior. By 2024, emotion AI will influence appro- approximately half of the online ads buyers see. So this is now slightly different because A, we saying this is inside two years, and I feel this has more of a B2C than necessarily B2B play, although the argument is that B2B is becoming B2C and and, um, and so on. This technology reads faces, emails, and determine which ads will work for a given buyer. These applications of emotion AI will change the way sales teams engage with customers and by extension will also change sales enablement. This, for me, is some pretty bold uh, statements. Email sentiment analysis, fine. I get that. understand that. I understand why you would look at that as another additive data point to help shape um, content, uh, which works. And you can then flip that to content that you put out onto, um, you know, marketing campaigns, social campaigns for social selling at an individual level or what have you. Not entirely sure, if I'm honest, that the computer vision-based facial expression analysis I don't believe that your prospects or customers will be too happy to know that a piece of technology is analysing their facial expression to then help them the seller kind of react in um, in real time. And from a biometric and other sensors, again, I'm not exactly going to see people plugging in <laughs> agreeing to plug in uh, their Fitbits or their Apple Watch data so that uh, a seller could uh, analyse the behaviour and emotions of that person, which in of itself. Requires a unique skill to be able to understand and react accordingly um, uh, to that. The audio-based speech analysis, though, is an interesting one because we are already seeing that in play today with you know the likes of Gong or Refract, uh, which record sales conversations and help sales enablements and sales teams, those that coach teams to understand what you know, what is working and what isn't working. Um, Talk to listen ratio and so on and um, uh, so forth uh you've got uh, examples within Microsoft teams in um, uh, customer time and ten sales environment uh, where uh, one of their banks is using this so for example, if you're speaking to somebody about uh insurance and you mention you're going on holiday the all the the system will hear that you mentioned the word holiday, and then uh in real time. The, the the sales agents, if you will, will get a pop up on their screen going. They, they mentioned they're going on holiday. Ask the question: Have you got holiday insurance? So that for me is an is an interesting one around how that might start to uh, play out. Again, I believe this is going to be different industries going to react to this in different um uh, in different ways, which actually then comes full circle back to the CRM data input piece is that even at a basic level, if you're on Zoom or Teams, all of your calls can be now transcribed. It's then more the question of, A, the person having the call, so if you're a lawyer or consultant or accountant, would you want all your calls uh, recorded? But the clients we're talking with want all their calls um, recorded. And then how might you use that data and insights to uh, drive insights and um, analysis? So, Emotion AI by 2025, 27, even 2030, I believe that is a big, big call. I believe that potentially SaaS sales, I can see it being more comfortable in that environment, more traditional, you know, I use the word traditional, therein lies a challenge in its own right, but more um, conservative industries to so professional services, manufacturing, and uh, and so on. This is going to be an interesting one, notwithstanding i guess the ethical challenges um uh, behind uh, behind all of uh, all of this the digital twin of the customer the market for digital twin enabling software and services is expected to reach a global revenue of 150 billion by 2030 up from 9 billion in 2022 digital twins uh, again yes manufacturing processes all that kind of uh, that kind of stuff where You don't want to build a manufacturing process from from the start, so you do it in in a digital twin environment. So um, Microsoft Bonsai is a big example of uh, of this and how they use digital twin technology. So go and search Microsoft Bonsai to um, see what that's all about. They go on to go, the digital twin takes in data from personas and runs tests for sales messaging, sales processes, marketing campaigns, and note what's working and what doesn't. Unlike a simulation, a digital twin is dynamic. It's constantly receiving data, can update its findings and enabling analysis in real time as new signals come in. Be always stretching the uh again back to my anti-predictions. I feel we're stretching the the digital twin um concepts here in terms of running sales messaging, sales processes, marketing campaigns, and so on. I'm not saying that you couldn't do it. I just don't necessarily believe that it's got an application in in that because I just don't feel that there's enough scale to to do this unless you're on Amazon or equivalent in terms of an e-tailer, then maybe that digital twin approach might work. But if you're running a very defined account-based marketing strategy or even into a very defined industry and a defined persona, I just don't think the scale is going to, um, uh, going to, uh, to work in my perspective. Uh, digital humans, number six. So by 2026, 20, the dates keep moving. of buyers will interact with a digital human in a buying cycle. The sales force of the future is a hybrid of humans and machines. Digital humans that engage with customers will fundamentally change who sells and how they sell. The use case for digital humans isn't about replacing humans. It's about taking on tasks that humans don't want to do, such as handle lead nurturing, old opportunities or stale leads. Hmm. So, again... Can I see this working in professional services by 26? So legal, accounting, um, consulting, which is where my uh, my world and my expertise um, is. Can I even see this necessarily working in if you work for one of the big SaaS vendors, you know, enterprise led sales? I don't. I I don't necessarily know, and I think the digital human is kind of again stretching the the concept because. If we look at, and we're kind of bleeding into the of AI here, but if we look at kind of op- technologies like Synthesia, so Synthesia.io, incredible um, kind of digital avatars, if you will, used for all sorts of things like training videos, intro, intro sales videos, enablement videos, marketing videos, and so on and, uh, and so forth. Huge, very, very clever um, h- human-like uh, technology. So yes, this could be um customer success. Could it be handle lead nurturing? I don't I don't know. Old opportunities or stale leads. Again, I don't know. I don't believe that if I was a, you know an old opportunity that gone out of date, I'd prefer to have a phone call from a, a conversation maybe versus I guess the route would be to create a, a video which then has to you know has to be sent by <laughs> by email um or maybe through um with social, of course, we touched on those two channels in terms of success rates, or or, or not, as the case may um, uh, may be. So again, I think it's around how do you, where is the right place to insert this type, this technology in the entire engagement sales process, if you um, if you will. So again, for my anti-prediction, n- not entirely sure with there in the way that necessarily it's seen um, seen here. And then we got this, the the final piece, before I go back to generative generative AI, because I really do believe believe that's very interesting in the the sales perspective. CEOs CEOs and CIOs believe that by 2030, one fifth of their total revenue might come from machine customers. Your new target market is machines. Machine customers are non-human economic actors that obtain goods or services in exchange for payments. They constitute a buyer and a big one. Already happening today, financial services products use AI to help consumers negotiate bank fees and get their refunds automatically. And there are cars that diagnose themselves and pre-order parts of the service. Stretching it a little, I feel, for many organisations, the idea of the machine customer is not yet a reality. But now is the time to start tracking its evolution and begin building a digital human sales force. Sales will have to adapt to machines which are logical, reliable, and valuable. Can't necessarily argue with uh, with that, although logical only depends on what data they're working from and the program and the algorithms that they are given to work on a logic basis. When machine customers become a more tangible part of the biomix, sales organizations will need to plan for the ensuing enablement uh, issues. Again, bold statement you know, 2030 you know, in, in in organizational terms it's not too far up, not too far away at all. Uh, I, I believe it'll be again industry specific. So it's given kind of financial services, it's given kind of cars that are diagnosing themselves. So yes, maybe this is gonna be more prevalent in the in the high volume, low risk uh types of the sales uh environments where you don't necessarily need to engage with a um a human, and we we prefer the self serve route versus necessarily talking to a human being because we just you know we can't kind of know what we want we want it quick, we want it now, and we just want to get on get on with it as you start to move up the the complexity of a sales process of a product or service that's been sold, the value of it that, that it is becoming my sense is this is going to be less relevant it could be more around back to my earlier point is how does this get then inserted into the overall um, sales and marketing uh, marketing process? If we then come back to the generative uh, AI piece, this for me is going to be an interesting one into 23 and uh, beyond. So, generative AI is nothing—nothing n- nothing really new. It's Chat GPT three uh, from, uh, or rather, Chat GPT. Forgive me from OpenAI that has kind of brought this to the masses and kind of brought it to um, the fore. Jasper AI has been around um, for a while, raised a bunch of cash, given it a billion-dollar valuation recently, and does this, does this in different ways, and is designed. To help from content creation across all different sides of um, uh, sides of things, Canva, um, the brilliant marketing uh, kind of creation tool, if that's a fair way to describe it, or content creation tool, has launched their text to um, image uh, service uh, recently. But you take a step back before we get into it. Generative AI, by 2025, 30% of outbound messages from large organizations will be synthetically generated. Content is increasingly important for sales, considering customers expect hyper relevant and personalized experiences, and it's hard for sellers to keep up. With generative AI, sales teams will never have to beg for content again. Generative AI produces content like images, videos, emails, presentations, data sheets, typically created by humans, and does so without direct human bias through either an augmented or automated um, approach. I'm not entirely sure on the direct human bias, but we'll come to that. Augmented leverages existing creative workflows collaboratively with humans automated like a factory producing content. Although AI can help to ensure the right content is available for sellers, sales organisations still must ensure that content is easily, easily accessible and in the right place and the right time. So if we go back to the, the, the three kind of channels, which I believe will remain true for a while to create attention, create attention and create conversation, which is the phone call, uh, the email and um, social media. Forgive me while I have a sip of um, tepid tea, which is sat, uh, sat here. So those three channels, so phone call, uh, email, and um, social media. Generative AI, I believe, is going to change the game. So I've been tinkering with Jasper. I've been tinkering with um, uh, OpenAI ChatGPT. Uh, I've been using a product called lately.ai uh, from my social media um, uh, creation in terms of how that works to repurpose content I've already created, be it written audio or uh, video, to turn into uh, more engaging content. What's interesting with the generative AI piece, if you haven't gone to ChatGPT and played around with OpenAI and set up an account for free, I highly recommend that you do. It is fascinating what it can uh create. The human bias piece I think is is interesting because there is debate around the fact that the chat the chat GPT data is only um as good as the data that it's the content that is consuming. Uh and some experts in the space are saying that actually you should go and play which is again another open AI product, you should go and sign up for their playground uh products within uh OpenAI. Which looks at real-time data on the um, on the web. But by the by, ChatGPT has has, has gone to the the masses, got the press's uh, attention, and this for me is where I believe there's going to be some interesting developments because because actually, what it comes down to, and this is no different to sales in its basic form, are the prompts or the questions that you ask. Of this technology, the better the prompt or the better the question, the better the question is designed, the better the the content that is then generated, which then could be used to create a call script, for example, or could be used to create an email uh, campaign, or could be used to create a social media campaign to support your social selling. And uh, by that, I mean, on the social media side, you could say, write me 10 tweets about uh, the five challenges that CFOs are facing in the retail sector. And it will write those tweets. You could ask it to write you a call script uh, selling to CMOs in the financial services uh, sector, and it will write that call script. You could ask it to summarize the... I've seen these videos on TikTok. You could ask it to summarize the uh, call earnings. It was, I think, the Netflix call earnings was put into um, ChatGPT, and the person asked them, can you summarize this in um, 10 bullet points? And it did it. So this then means if you are managing enterprise accounts, and it's going to be a much quicker, more efficient way to get 70 to 80% of the knowledge that you need to have at your fingertips versus necessarily trawling through um, multiple kind of Google pages. And this is why there is this debate that will this type of technology eventually replace um, search. I think it certainly will be additive to um, search and augment search. So I feel that as... Sales leaders and marketing leaders, I do believe that we need to be paying a lot of attention um, to generative AI and where this may uh, may take us. The text to image stuff is pretty cool that I'm playing around with in Canvas. So you literally say um, I want an image of a robot on a mountain in uh an alien background type sort of thing and it will create that or I want an image of Father Christmas sitting on a reindeer or I want an image of a um, person working on a document or whatever it is. Again, it comes back to the prompt and asking really good or prompting really good questions will then get the results that you um, that you need. This, however... Uh, does open up a whole conversation. It's just only on a phone call with a lawyer early today around this, because um, they're looking at them um, themselves, a law firm that I'm working with, around what are the ethics behind this? So, do would we have to declare that our social media posts are actually written by AI? Would we have to declare this email campaign is actually 100% created by um, uh, AI? You know, this this uh, Gartner talks to the digital human and talks to the machine to the machine. Will we have to declare, and I believe the answer is going to be yes, in some shape or form, we are going to have to declare that this is actually a 100% AI-generated conversation or 100% generated AI um, post, because if you think about the either an email perspective um, or a social media, social selling perspective, people engage with the content on there, or they engage with the email, they make the assumption that it's written by you, and that is your your thinking, your thought process. And if all you've done is just put a simple prompt in, and it generated all of this, then could that be construed as uh, mis- misleading? And I think there's a yes and a no debate uh, around that. But from my perspective, this, this whole generative AI piece is, is going to be very, very interesting into words that this takes us in the next 12 to 18 months. But genuinely if a salesperson wants to engage in social selling, they don't actually have to go to marketing and ask for help on their content because you can genuinely say, write me 10 social media posts for LinkedIn written in the voice of Seth Godin or Gary V or whoever you want to sound like, or create this email that will talk to Gen Z. um, And it will then write this content in a way that talks to that, um, uh, to that person. So, Predictions moving forward from my perspective. Yeah, I think cold calling is going to stay around. You know, that you can't. The phone is never going to go away. The way that we interact with phones may be different in terms of that uh, that shape or form. Email is is here to stay. I think sales leaders need to reevaluate how it is um uh, it is being is being used. And of course, um, if you're not baking social into your top of funnel attention generation creation side of things from a set from a sales perspective then we may as well you're missing out on a huge huge opportunity to be additive to your to your already um your pipeline that you're already generating and um uh creating forgive me another sip of my tepid tea here however if we look at kind of where where we can be today if you had no legacy challenges um uh, at all and you uh had a um, brilliant crm system or sales engagement um uh platform so it's a, a record of choice a, a system which um holds all the data around your uh your contacts and the activities that are um happening if you then layer on top of that relationship uh capital analysis so if you layer on a microsoft sales um insights or the salesforce equivalent or a um intra uh Ebster, Intra-Hive or Ebster. those are the four platforms kind of springs choice which then analyze your relationship analytics and who generally genuinely knows um uh, knows who so now you can identify the quickest route to a potential referral uh, conversation with someone if you then layer that with the sales navigator platform synced into your crM system so not only do you know the who knows who in terms of today but you use sales navigator and their deep sales approach to understand uh, where are the people that we want to get to know, and what is the shortest route to a conversation um, with them? You might then want to layer um, intent data on top of your marketing data to start to get some insight around where people are in the funnel and who you should be um, in, in, uh, engaging with. So, an interesting angle on that, you could be doing this today. You don't even need to invest in intent data. Go to your marketing teams and go, I want to understand at an organizational level over the last month. What marketing, marketing activity has happened, web-based, email-based, um, open rates, unsubscribes, downloads, sign-ups, all of this thing, not at an individual level, but at you know, a, uh, an organizational level. And if you're seeing a big spike in activity from one organization, that would suggest there is something going on. And then if you have the ability to analyze your relationship capital either through the technologies I just um, described or through sales navigator or through both. Then you've got a brilliant routine to um, generate that, um, that uh, conversation. You could then have brilliant uh, content out there for awareness creation and um uh, and so on, which is then either you're doing that through email, you're doing that through page, you're doing that through social selling uh, activities. However, if what you are doing, if the if the, the mindset hasn't been changed and the behaviors haven't been changed. You can have all these, even these perfect technologies that, you know, Gartner are predicting that they're going to come through. If you haven't shifted that mindset or challenged that behavioral process to um, think differently, all these predictions, all this stuff is all for, um, for nothing. And it was a post from Tom Goodwin, who um, I follow. I think he's uh, brilliant. I really enjoy his content. Um, uh, I read his most recent um, uh, re- most recent book as well. Highly recommend it, Digital Darwinism. So I'm going to read this post uh, verbatim. This was a day ago. So what are we going to say? 21st. So this was the 20th of December, 2022, where he posted this. Uh, people get disruption wrong. It's not about tech. Classic example is IKEA. Disrupted furniture by challenging the assumption that people only buy pre-made items decimating shipping costs, changed unit economics profoundly. Dyson disrupted the vacuum market by challenging the assumption people wouldn't pay more than $300 for a machine and didn't care about that much. Nespresso challenged the assumption people wouldn't spend 10x more to have coffee at home, so long as it was better. Airbnb challenged the idea that people wouldn't sleep in a stranger's home. Uber challenged the idea people wouldn't get into a stranger's car. Amazon challenged the idea people wouldn't buy lots of things that they couldn't touch first. YouTube challenged the idea that most people wouldn't be able to make good enough content themselves. And if they did, they'd still be happy to give it away for free. People assume it's about tech. It's about imagination and empathy. It's knowing what rules can be broken. Most disruptive companies are not remotely disruptive. All bird shoes change little about the market. Netflix doesn't really alter that much about the rules of TV business. Instacart is a remarkably stupid idea and company. Carvana simply moves the cost to other places. We need more thought about what disruption changes the game and what simply uses modern tech. And this then takes me to uh, my my final thoughts around my anti-predictions for 2023, because all the predictions actually are technology related. The technology is going to solve, technology is going to solve, technology is going to solve. What we need to do, if we take the concept that Tom has talked about, is challenging the idea, challenging the status quo in terms of how we actually um, sell. And a brilliant piece authored by Brent Adamson, who is the uh, co-author of Challenger, uh, Challenger Sale. He published this in February of this year around sales and marketing is um, becoming obsolete. And then he shared the story, um, which is um, AI. Uh, there's a, a podcast, I'll put the link to the podcast in the um, both podcasts. So he shared a story of Jenna um, Pipchuk from Smart Technologies, a Canadian um, technology business that sells into the education sector, where they just after COVID hit rewrote their entire sales and marketing process and built what they call the unified commercial engine. So they identified what roles needed to happen by whom at what point during their sales, um, uh, their sales end-to-end sales process. They did away with things like a handoff between sales and marketing. It meant they had to reskill. It meant they had to let go some people that couldn't be reskilled to what needed to be done. And they built what they called the unified commercial engine. When they went to their CEO to do this, the CEO said, I don't believe it's going to work. But if you believe it's going to work then and you trust each other to do it, then I trust you to do it because that's what I'm paying you to to do. And it works and it's been extraordinarily um, successful. So I then recorded a podcast with Jenna, talk about how she and her, um, her colleague, um, uh, Jeff, Jeff Lowe, in relation to me, did this. I also recorded a podcast with Brent to talk through the broader thinking around, um, around all of this. So if you want to go into 2023 and beyond and really start to, Challenge and really start to be different. You need to actually start challenging assumptions and ideas of what you believe to be um, true. And some some things around this, not only learning from what Jenna did at Smarts uh, Technology in terms of building the unified commercial engine, I believe one of the biggest fundamental challenges we have in the world of sales smart, sales more more broadly. I'm talking broad stroke here is incentives and driving this quarter on quarter. Incentive just drives the behaviors that we don't want, which then actually also means that we're not using the technology in a way that probably could be worked more efficiently if you're trying to drive that quarter on um, quarter on quarter. So, here's a challenge of some sales leaders out there. Uh, why don't you go to your sales teams and ask uh, those that um, want to sell on commission and those that don't want to sell on commission and do an A B test and work with your finance team and figure out over the last three years what's been the average. Kind of comp uh, across uh, across those that have been either hitting quota or not quite not quite heading quota, and why don't you guarantee that's them? Why don't, you get, why don't you guarantee this over twelve months? And of course you'll have high performers who are smashing it out of the park and will want the, the the kickers on their sales commission. But why don't you say to those individuals, fine, we're going to guarantee this. We're going to take away commission structure. We're going to take away quarter on quarter results or CRO. Um, I'm going to challenge the FD and say, you know what, we're going to do our numbers. I mean, 12 months, we're going to do it. We'll get to that number that you need to get to by um, 12 months' time. And see what happens. Think about your end-to-end process. Think about, actually, we've got some really good cold callers. So let's point to cold callers. We've got some really good people who are on the social media side of things. So let's point to that. We've actually got some good people who are seeing great success from an email perspective. So let's point to that. Let's put them into a, um, a pod, or using Jenna's term, a unified commercial engine, and let them just go to market. Let them go to market in a way they believe works and how they are seeing um success, rather than necessarily, A, forcing these new technologies on uh, onto people where it may not be um uh, relevant, but also forcing our perceived truths of what we knew worked five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, which evidently, if we are to believe all the narrative out there around sales not hitting numbers and... Lots of layoffs happening and the mental health within salespeople and so on and so forth. And this is back to Tom's point. People assume it's about tech. Don't get swayed into the sexy technology. Yes, there is technology out there which in my view you need to have but it's then around is that technology being enabled in a way that's going to make your sales teams successful but it all comes down to one single point of truth is your customers and your clients. Without them we are nothing. Without our customers um, repeatedly staying with us, repeatedly renewing with us, we are nothing. So why don't you go and have a conversation with us? Why don't you go and talk to them and find out why did you buy from us? What's working? What isn't working? What are you seeing from the competition that's working and that isn't working? If we could do something differently, go and actually have a human conversation. Pick up the phone to your top 10, top 30, top 100 best customers out there. Ask what's working. Go speak to all the people that um, didn't renew with you in the last six months. Why did you not renew? What could we have done differently? Why? What? Wh- what did you replace us with? If uh, anything, how's that working out for you? Go and talk to the people that fundamentally, by what you do, listen, learn, and iterate with, um, with them. Hope you found that uh, interesting and uh, insightful. That's my take on the uh, 2023 anti-predictions. Um, feel free to challenge me in terms of what you think. Put your comments in the um, uh, in the comment section. I want to say thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in, and listening across this uh, across this year. It's been amazing. You have helped me breach the 10,000 download. I never thought I would do that. And of course, that's all down to uh, a my brilliant guests you also my brilliant um uh listeners if you want to be on this podcast you know what to do if you think people should be on this podcast you know what to do but for me on the 21st of december 2022 this is going to be my last one for uh this year so wherever you are in the world um, I'm, we're going to wish you a very very happy christmas and a very happy new year and let's see what 2023 brings us it's going to be fun no matter what